Today, you're going to hear from a practicing dermal clinician, Tanisa from Skin Smart Science, on all the different treatments, modalities, ingredients, and products that can help to assist with dry skin conditions. Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. This six-part special series podcast was made possible by our fabulous partners, Dermotherapy. And this special series really is deep diving into dry skin conditions. It's also known as cirrhosis. You will be learning about the cause, the therapies, and the stories behind dry skin conditions. Approximately 50% of people over the age of 40 experience dry skin, and it's likely that most people will experience dry skin somewhere on their body at some point in their lives. So this series is relevant to everyone. Dermal therapy aligns with the Derm Health Co values because their products are accessible, which is super important. They can be found at most pharmacies and grocers, plus online. They're also made using evidence-based ingredients. They have clinical studies to back this up and they're dermatologist recommended. So you know that it works. Another big tick is that Dermal Therapy is Australian made and owned. Go Aussie. Dermal Therapy's range of products for very dry skin are not only hydrating, they also have unique keratolytic properties. And this helps with dead skin deposition and removal. So throughout the series, you'll be hearing more about the results and clinical studies using the Dermal Therapy products. And we are so excited to bring this series to you because it's the first of its kind. We've never seen this in podcast land where there's a special series dedicated to one specific skin condition. It is different to our older traditional podcast where it's one different episode each week. And we thought um, we know that our community loves to get really deep and dirty into a particular topic. And what better way than to create an entire six part series on this particular topic, which means that it's easy to share. It's easy to learn and immerse, and you can come back for later reference or share it with friends, family members, patients, clients, etc. So I'm so looking forward to bringing this to you. I think you're going to love it. Um, we would love to hear your feedback on how you find this special series as well. So make sure that you tag us if you're listening at dermhealth.co and also ensure that you're tagging out wonderful partners at Dermal Therapy as well. Okay, let's get right in. Hi, I'm Marnie, your host, and today we are speaking about the treatments and dry skin conditions. We're going to be covering what are the most effective treatments, what ingredients should you look for, does the same treatment or ingredient fit with all dry skin conditions? That's what we're going to be discussing in this episode with Tanisa Williamson, who's a dermal clinician at Skin Smart Science. 
Tanisa is an award-winning dermal clinician who she possesses not only an associate's degree and bachelor's degree in applied health science in clinical aesthetics, but also a diploma in beauty therapy. She's also a member of the ASDC, which is the governing body for dermal clinicians in Australia. She's been a member of the board committee since 2021, and she started there as a student representative. She's now part of the education board. Denisa has a broad set of knowledge in areas of dermatology, both cosmetic and medical. Um, she likes to combine medicine and science and commits to working with an evidence-based approach to ensure that all the information she shares is current and non-biased. So you're going to hear all of this and more from Tanisa today. And the first question that I started with was what she thought was the biggest misconception about dry skin ingredients. Tanisa, so what do you think is the biggest misconception about dry skin treatments and ingredients? I think the biggest misconception would be in the industry, regardless whether you're a dermal clinician or beauty therapist, even just, you know, someone coming into a skin clinic looking to buy skin products. I think the biggest misconception about dry skin is hydrating the skin versus moisturizing. And what I mean by that is the two tend to get mismatched or they're seen as the same thing. So to break it down a little bit more, I guess hydration comes from our topical skincare serums that are absorbed into the skin or the delivered into the skin via specific delivery systems. And these delivery systems provide the skin with internal hydration and act as a catalyst for our own biological constitutions in the dermis and epidermis. So what we're basically trying to achieve with hydration is pushing those topical elements into those lower layers of the skin. But then additionally to that, moisturizing the skin on the other hand is something we tend to do through topical skincare application in which ingredients like emollients or occlusives can create more of a seal on the surface to lock in that hydration that we've put with our serums. So to break it down a little bit more, cosmetic chemistry, when you really look at ingredients and their purpose, such as you know humectants and emollients and each purpose that they all serve, if we really look at, okay, well, what are the steps in someone's skincare routine to really focus on locking that hydration in? And definitely we'll get into it a little bit more, but for those that understand dehydration and how that all comes about, it's really important about looking at, you know, are we hydrating the skin? Are we also moisturizing? topically because yeah dry skin can almost be overlooked or misrepresented as a simple to understand condition when really it can be quite complex. I know already that this is going to be a fantastic episode so I can't wait to get into further details relating to treatments of dry skin but before we jump in tell us a little bit more about you your career and how you got to do the work that you're doing today. What draws you to skin so much as well I'd love to hear that. Yeah. My career basically started when I was studying my Diploma of Beauty Therapy. Shout out Ellie Lucas for any of those in Victoria or near Melbourne. My first beauty job was working for a major cosmetics brand in which I really did adore the role. I moved up from my original role to a product specialist role and I assisted managing for a little short while as well. But I really found myself really super interested in skincare and the way that products work, even if it was just makeup, the way that they were formulated, the way they interacted on the skin. Yeah, and I would find any possible product from the range that related to skin in any way or spoke about the importance of skin health to showcase a beautiful face of makeup. So I really just found that 
ignited my passion for skincare and I was actually referring a lot of my customers off to skincare clinics, whichever ones I could find. And yeah, and just thought, well, what do I want to do after I finish my diploma? So I looked into, you know, towards the final weeks of my study, I um, already knew at that point that I wanted to study a Bachelor of Applied Health Science, so in dermal therapies. At the time, my beauty college had just brought in their first intake of dermal students. So I collected as much information as possible. And then I just basically signed up to start the degree as soon as I could. So amongst the pandemic, I'd gone through my associate's degree and now only a couple of months from completing my Bachelor of Clinical Aesthetics in Dermal Science. So yeah, in that time, I've been super fortunate to work alongside a wealth of industry professionals, you know, from other dermal clinicians to nurses, even some doctors or even allied health professionals. The industry is still super new to a degree and it's still evolving. So I'm really passionate about advocating for other general clinicians and basically what we can provide and how we can help others. It is an exciting future from, you know, the beginnings when we were looking at dermatologists, GPs or beauty therapists and not really having in between. And now we have nurse practitioners, we have dermatology nurses, dermal clinicians, dermal therapists. It's really fantastic considering that so many Australians at some point in their life are going to experience a skin condition or some kind of you know damage harm to their skin whether that be skin cancer or some kind of scarring so congratulations also on persevering and it sounds like you've found the perfect career for your love of skin so at the first question we were talking about this misconception and you went into this misconception about hydrating versus moisturizing what is the difference between dry skin dehydrated skin? This is a really great question. I think these terms also get interchanged a lot in the industry and it's really important to understand the difference. So true dry skin, what we class this as is lipid dry skin. So it is a lack of oil within the skin. Now true dry skins are genetically predisposed to not produce enough of that sebum that we need to see on the skin surface. Now one's genetics will just predispose them to this skin type but we can see over time as well if someone is more on the oilier side as the hormones change, especially through menopause, they can mimic a dry skin too. But in conjunction to that, when we look at dehydrated skin, this is lack of water rather than a lack of oil. So when we talk about water, interestingly enough, we don't actually reap as much of our water intake of what we consume as what we think we do. So when we say water in the skin, we actually mean there's a lot of different constituents that make up that internal hydration. Essential fatty acids play a super big role in this as well, but it is rather a skin condition rather than a skin type. So you can't say that you know someone's skin type is dehydrated. It's more so a condition. So this means this is something that we can address with skin treatments and skin care. And really dehydration is one of the first precursors, I guess, when we look at skin conditions. This is one of the first things that tend to start the domino effect when we see a particular skin condition. So it has more of a technical term, which us clinicians define it as transepidermal water loss or chill for short. So yeah, comparing it to dry skin, dry skin is basically a lack of oil. Dehydrated skin is a lack of water or water content in the skin. That is a really clear clarification. So thank you for that. I think, as you mentioned, lots of people use these terms interchangeably, but can also be confused about the differences as well. So let's get into the treatments of dry skin particularly. So how are dry skin conditions treated? 
Yeah, so dry skin conditions can be treated with various clinical modalities, but before we consider any advanced treatment options, there are great starting points such as corneotherapy concepts that focus on establishing a healthy skin barrier before we start asking the skin to undergo wound healing processes. These more advanced treatments like collagen induction therapy or skin needling, certain chemical peels, skin boosting injectables with dermal filler or really fluid-like low-dose hyaluronic acid skin boosters basically, or laser treatments. But LED is also a really fantastic option for a starting point or in conjunction with these other modalities. I think it's about looking at if the barrier is impaired, we always need to treat that first. And usually with dry or dehydrated skin, there can be a factor of barrier impairment. So if we can always consider what we do firstly to ease the skin in before we start asking more of it. I like to always use, and especially a lot of other clinicians in the industry might use the same analogies, but when we relate it to fitness or exercising, I always describe it to my clients, look, you wouldn't go into the gym and pick up the heaviest weight possible if you haven't worked out before. And especially even if you are an avid gym goer, you want to be able to warm up the muscles and get them prepared before you start doing the heavier lifting. So it's the same thing with skin treatments. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. Let's talk about, we'll talk a bit more about clinical treatments and some of your favorites soon, but I'd like to talk about some of the skincare ingredients and topicals that can be used when we have dry skin conditions, because this is, as you mentioned, people that have dry skin, it can be due to a barrier that is impaired, and this can be because of improper product usage. So skincare using at home daily is really important. So what are some skincare ingredients to look for? And we can talk about some specific skin conditions if you wish, or just some of your favorite skincare ingredients in general. Yeah, so with specific skincare ingredients, I mean, there's so many different dry skin conditions. I mean, we've got, you know, standard eczema, contact dermatitis, psoriasis, dandruff, ichthyosis, and then, you know, a couple more to mention. But I think if we really just put it under a general outlook, I think the gold standard for any skin condition, especially dry skins, is niacinamide or vitamin B3 more so. The benefits that this ingredient provides is just incredible. I think it being such a strong anti-inflammatory stimulates the glycosaminoglycans in the skin to bulk up that extracellular matrix. So think of your skin cells becoming more like bouncy grapes over prunes and also kicking off fibroblast activity. So obviously we know that fibroblast cells um, kick off the catalyzation of new collagen formation. It also works on, in addition to being anti-inflammatory, it improves the vascularity of the skin. It regulates sebum production. And it, as mentioned as well too, it's a really incredible antioxidant. Another few favorites of mine are panthenol. So another form of vitamin B, so B5. Hyaluronic acid, urea, vitamin E, which also also provides more of that richer emollient property to the skin. And interestingly enough, some alcohols like cetyl and sterile alcohol, which often tend to be, I guess, left aside. A lot of people tend to become afraid of alcohols in skincare, but these types of alcohols provide more fatty profiles to products like moisturizers. Interesting. So in what combinations would these be? Creams, serums, how are these applied? 
Yeah. So again, going back to that hydrating versus moisturizing concept, I mean, your hyaluronic acids will tend to more so come in the form of serums. Vitamin B5 can be incorporated into serums and moisturizers as well. Vitamin E, same thing. It just depends on how they're formulated, what their delivery system is like. Yeah, just depending on the purpose. I think the main thing is when you're looking at ingredient lists or having a look at someone's products that they're currently using from a clinician's perspective, really just look at, okay, are they more what we call cosmeceutical? Are they more active? Do they have a decent delivery system? Looking at the purpose rather than just judging it off the brand because there can be more so quite often a lot of affordable ranges that still provide some form of nourishment. So not really about judging, you know, the price or the brand. I think it's really looking at the nitty gritty, so the ingredients. This podcast series is brought to you by Derm Health Co. in partnership with Dermal Therapy. Dermal Therapy Lip Balm Original is Australia's number one lip balm, with one of their lip balms being sold every 30 seconds in Australia. Absolutely incredible. Okay, let's launch back into the podcast. Yeah, really good point. And also, I think when it comes to dry skin and dry skin conditions, people may have this misconception that you need something really thick and occlusive when some of the ingredients that you actually mentioned are almost water-like, you know, the sensation. So you don't have to have, like some of these ingredients are really powerful at helping to hydrate the skin and assisting in dry skin conditions, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be thick and you're going to be greasy. So yeah, a misconception that maybe you've come across as well. Yeah, definitely. So again, going back to that, I mean, your moisturizers are more designed to sit topically, but still, you still want to get that element of filling in those voids in between all those skin cells. So as discussed in a previous podcast on the dry skin conditions, there was, you know, the discussion of those gaps in between those skin cells and especially with more drier skin. So we want to be Mm. able to deliver those more active, thinner ingredients into there. Now I can use those more technical terms, but just to keep it more so on that level where you can really describe this more to your clients and say, look, well, the skincare definitely, you want to be able to see it on the surface, but everything starts from the inside out. So if we can target both inside and topically, then we'll get a really good result. Yeah, absolutely. A holistic approach is always really important. Really interested to hear more about some clinical treatments than it can assist with dry skin conditions. So perhaps talk about some of your favorites. Yeah, so some of my favourites, even though some might be outside of my scope of practice, they can really transform the functioning of dry skin. So I must admit, early in my degree, I was biased against traditional beauty therapy practices and went more down the pathway of science and advanced treatments. But I really do believe that bespoke corneotherapy concepts, now there is a few ranges on the Australian market that offer this and especially worldwide as well, but I really do believe that bespoke corneotherapy concepts that adopt that focus on cellular health and really respect that lipid bilayer and barrier function and especially the microbiome rather than just constantly peeling and stripping away that surface skin cells and waiting for that after effects, especially following that intermittent downtime that some clients can't withstand. So 
obviously now we want everything yesterday, especially from a client's perspective. So if we can really just meet in the middle in terms of, you know, more of that relaxing treatment that still provides that advanced approach is really great. These treatments really go well alongside LED light therapy again. So they can really mesh well with conditions like dermatitis, eczema, acatinic keratosis and so forth, which can often be contraindicated to other modalities. So yeah, I find LED meshes really well in conjunction with those other treatments. But another concept of treatment for dry skin, which is more out of my scope of practice as a dermal clinician, is biostimulators and dermal fillers. So more specifically in the skin booster area, but I have a cosmetic injector that I frequently touch base with alongside many others. The feedback that I get from them and also observing this through my own clients and my own practices is the flow-on benefits from the increased collagen and natural moisturising factors from these injectable treatments can greatly assist with genetically dry skin, especially for lips. Although this may not be a suitable treatment option for more of those more chronic dry skin disorders like eczema or dermatitis. So I guess it's looking at what condition are you presented with with the client and what are your tools that you have on offer and how can you, you know, use those to benefit them. Yeah, good point. Like it's always important. You can't just simply listen to a podcast and then go into your local skin clinic and say, I want this because I've got a dry skin condition and this is going to help it. It really needs to be tailored specifically to you based on not only your skin condition, but your lifestyle factors and many other things to consider as well. So how do you feel, Tanisa, about some homemade dry skin treatments or remedies that um, float around? Yeah, look, I definitely have a few things to say about this one. Look, I'm all for adopting ways to achieve results, especially on a budget or just simply for simplicity in one's routine. But however, the concepts like avoiding preservatives and parabens, for example, and this entire clean beauty movement, in my opinion, is really just a flow on marketing tactic and really scaremongering in the industry too. So if, again, we look at cosmetic chemistry and their principles, we can explain why these particular ingredients in skincare, why they're actually needed and what benefits and purposes purposes they serve. So it can actually explain that these ingredients in micro percentages can prevent our skincare from going toxic or rancid on the skin. So I think there was a study published in around 1980 about preservatives and it sort of got a bit misconstrued throughout the literature. And then we come to a modern day where everyone is wanting less or no preservatives in their products or no parabens or more of that, you know, clean, natural, organic, but everything is a chemical water is a chemical anything that we put on our skin we can't just go and you know pick botanical ingredients and not actually stabilize them because again they can have the risk of going toxic and not serving that purpose so preservatives in very low traces that are served purpose in the product they can actually help the product to stay stable and allow it to consistently deliver its designed ingredients upon each application every time yes good point good point and I'm interested also to hear like some skincare ingredients that maybe people should be avoiding if they have dry skin conditions. Yeah, I think it depends. If your lipid barrier is impaired alongside having genetically dry skin, I would opt to 
avoid more of those exfoliating acids and opt for more enzymatic forms of exfoliation just while that barrier is being repaired. I would like to also just consider what you're putting onto the skin and if it's of a higher potency, for example, let's give an example of retinol. So of course there's different forms of retinol. There's retinol and retinoic acid, which can perform a lot quicker or more, they are more stronger through that conversion process. But if we look at the derivatives such as retinol palmitate, that can be a little bit more gentler on the skin. There can also be ingredients that are pregnancy safe as well that can mimic retinol. But yeah, certain exfoliating acids that have a smaller molecular profile that can penetrate easier into the skin, they might be more highly irritating to more dry skins and increase that risk of flare-ups or adverse reactions. So to summarise, the skin's very intelligent and it will tell you when you're using too much of an ingredient, especially if you are more dry. So just really looking out for those acids and those more active components and just test patch test patching is always a safe way to go about it and something that may irritate your skin today may not in the future if your barrier is no longer impaired as well so you know some of these treatments and ingredients and therapies may not be suitable for you today because of an impaired barrier so you're going to be more susceptible to irritation but that's not always forever. So if you've got your eye on some retinol, it may not be completely out of the scope for you in the future if you work with a great skin therapist that helps to improve your skin barrier function. Okay, so Tanisa, I always like to find out at the end if there's a little bit more advice for our listeners and often the content is completely gold and unexpected and I think you've got something a bit of a surprise for us today what's three pieces of advice for our listeners when we're uh, speaking specifically about dry skin yeah I think I'd like to offer a piece of advice for each type of listener firstly starting with those interested in skin conditions or just even wanting to learn more about their own so my first piece of advice for any listener is don't just believe what Google says at the top of the search results investigate compare reach out to industry professionals and really look to seek true unbiased advice and don't just listen to what your neighbor or friend says and what works for their skin because each of our skins are so incredibly different for the emerging student in beauty therapy or even dental sciences, my best piece of advice would be always be learning. This industry is forever evolving and growing and knowledge is definitely key, but not only for skin anatomy, but just as a professional too. So seeking ways that you can maintain wellness and good mental health in the workplace, even just personal growth, but looking at those additional short courses that you can, you know, specialize, especially more in dry skin or holistic health, all of those different things as well too, because we tend to, especially as dermal clinicians, really get into the nitty gritty. And as much as you want to talk about science all day, every day, not every client is going to want to be able to listen to that. So if you can break it down and understand communication styles, even better. And for the experienced professional, especially medical practitioners, is to work collaboratively. So we're constantly correcting others and trying to appear better than the next person, but we should really focus on collaborating and sharing our ideas and learning from one another. Because really, at the end of the day, we're putting our clients or our patients first. So it's all about them and interprofessional care, multidisciplinary care. Yeah, all super important. Mm, fabulous advice and and it is great to see we're seeing so many more multidisciplinary clinics because of people seeing the benefit to that holistic approach as well so thank you Tanisa so where can people find more about you and the work that you do 
Yeah, so I'm doing a bit of everything at the moment, but I started a side project where at the moment I'm just offering free educational resources in the form of blog articles on my website and posting interesting things that I come across or any points of knowledge just to share on my Instagram. So my Instagram, which has my website link attached, my Instagram username is at skinsmartscience. Awesome. Well, thank you. And it was fantastic to have you on today's show discussing all things treatments for dry skin. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. This six-part special series podcast was made possible by our partners, Dermal Therapy. Thank you so much, Dermotherapy. We could not have made the series without you. One of the key benefits of Dermotherapy that we love, besides, of course, its clinically proven results, is accessibility. You can pick up their products most places. The Dermotherapy products are available nationwide across pharmacy, so Chemist Warehouse and all other major and independents, plus Woolies, and a select range at Coles. Amazon is now stocking the full range online as well, so you can jump online and purchase or visit them in store. If you'd like to learn more, go to dermotherapy.com.au. What an episode. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording and creating this for you. There was lots of fantastic tips shared and we would love for you to share this online so you can take a screenshot of you listening, tag us at dermhealth.co. Also make sure you tag our partners at Dermal Therapy. And we just want to say a big special thanks to our partners, Dermal Therapy, um, for Digital Health Co. for producing this podcast series. And we look forward to bringing you another episode really soon. Bye for now and be skin powered.